what's up? Welcome to the Cryptid Zone. My name is Jeremy Hughes. And I'm Lois Stone. And we're going to talk to you about cryptids today. Yeah, and every day. That's. <laughs> I always say something inane when we do one of these. Why is that? Why can't I just um, be cool? This is part of our natural pattern. It's what the people come for. <sighs> yeah, it's true. It, our it's new true. segment. Jeremy doesn't know how to start the podcast. Yeah, it's not really a new segment, is it? <laughs> no, but a good one. How are you doing, Lois? I am well. And more importantly than I, how I am, uh, I have a Vampire Hospital update. <gasps> <laughs> vampire Hospital. So it's not a huge update, really. Mostly it's been a lot of the same of there just being mysterious cars within the Vampire Hospital okay. car park, which mm-hmm. normally has a fence around it. Mm-hmm. But I was walking home at night, so there was darkness in the air, as there is wont to be at night. And there was a guy, like chaining up the fences for the to get for the, for the car park for the vampire hospital. Uh, okay. Like older guy, kind of short, you know. Uh, he's got like a big old chain to to you know, close the fences and everything. And he's put mm-hmm. a big padlock on it to lock him up, right? Mm-hmm. But he was doing this from within the fence. So he was locking himself in? Yes. Okay. Yeah, definitely a vampire. Right. He's going inside to roost upside down in the rafters. Yes, or I don't know, maybe nighttime is like when like the prime vampire hospital hours are happening, you know? Oh, that's true. That's yeah. true. So he's like, everyone's checked in for the night, like, time to do vampire hospital stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Blood transfusions, all that. Yes. Huh. So it's still, like, nothing has happened with it yet. No. Because it's been, like, months since we last recorded one of these, so there's been a lot of time for things to change. Yeah, exactly. And and as I said when I first talked about vampire hospital, that they were supposed to be tearing it down, and it is just not happening. It's just still there. Yeah. Yeah. Business is booming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'll, I'll keep you updated if they do actually tear down the vampire hospital, but I'm guessing not. Yeah, it's just going to stay open forever. Vampires need medical attention. And Yeah, and they need it in, um, you know, the, the suburbs, apparently. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's where all the... There's a lot of rich people around with, like... Who are vampires. Expensive blood. Oh, sure, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and also, vam- also, yeah, rich people are vampires. Yeah. Do you think that vampires like like read like cooking blogs and they're like for like um like what the latest health tr- you know food trend is and they're just like hoping it's not some sort of like new garlic thing, you know? Because there was like that oh, bit where everyone point. was meant to be taking like garlic supplements because that was like the hot thing, and they're just like does- no, like curse you, Rachel Ray or whatever. Does. Garlic. When you eat garlic, it doesn't go into your bloodstream, does it? Um, That's not how bodies work. I don't know how bodies work. I also don't know the rules of vampires. All right. Then we have no authority to speak on this subject. But also, I mean, but when they, like, bite into you, they still have to get through, like, all of the skin. Yeah. Are you saying the garlic <laughs> goes into the skin? Um, I'm saying that I don't know what garlic supplements do. <laughs> Why do people take them? Well, obviously, it's so your blood and skin are full of garlic. <laughs> to defend against... Fa- this does... Okay, this makes sense. I take back my previous... Uh, you know, just a second ago when I was making fun of people who took garlic supplements. Yeah. They're, they're the just only safety ones conscious. standing in, in defense against the vampires. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> well, I'm glad we have an update. Yeah. Uh, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm right. <laughs> I have nothing interesting to... It's sunny now, outside, yeah, the weather. Love that. Uh, last weekend, there was a blizzard, because mm-hmm. it's spring, and that's what happens here. Yep. Um, it can't make up its mind. Same. But yeah, the, the, the sun is out. I'm going to go out in a t-shirt probably later and hope it doesn't yes. start snowing. I'll, I hope that for you as well. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're cat is asleep on the sofa. Oh. I've got a cup of coffee. That's all that's going on right now. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're gathered here today, though, for a very important purpose. Yeah, it's a podcast. Yeah, podcasting. 
specifically to talk about our friend and yours, maybe. We'll let you decide. Yeah. Uh, the Bunyip. That's what we're talking about. And the Bunyip was actually sent uh, into us as a uh, recommendation uh, from Steve from Australia. He has a last name. I'm going to find it for you. Who messaged us on Facebook, which we do check. Well, I check it. I sometimes. don't know if you check it. Uh, sometimes. Like once every month or two. Usually it's just people asking if they can advertise something on our podcast. And at first I messaged back saying no. And now I just don't. Yeah, same. Yes, Steve uh, Emsis. I don't know how to pronounce this last name. Yeah, but anyway, thank you for suggesting it. We do put them on the list of things to do when you send us suggestions, people who are in the yeah. world. So please send us yeah. suggestions. Hit, hit us up, yeah. yeah. Let us know what you want us to talk about. Yeah. Um, um, and as, you know, Steve from Australia sent us the Bunyip, who is an Australian friend. Yes, the Bunyip is Australian. It's true. Tell us some other true things. Uh, so this one I definitely put into the Bunyip sits in a category with other ones we've done before. Mm-hmm. I think like the Mokele Mbembe or the Fire Naga, those kinds of things. In that, there's definitely the my favorite cryptids to talk about are ones like the Jersey Devil or Mothman, which are like North American kind of things that developed in American culture, mm-hmm. um, and also you know in other parts of the Western world. And uh, and kind of have proliferated through the internet, uh, and then there's also the the kind of other side of the coin, which are creatures which are like from an indigenous culture's folklore that white people are just like, ah, let's turn this into a cryptid and go look for it, while the indigenous culture is like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Like, yeah. please stop. Uh, and this is one of those. This is um, yeah, comes I think from- that. This one in particular is like the real monster was imperialism the whole time, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, because uh. as opposed to things like um, the Mukele Mbembe, which is very like like this transformation from this of this creature from like folklore into cryptid is very is like a very modern thing that's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the Bunyip, like this, definitely has its roots in like the nineteenth century, right. Yeah. Right. It's not just like colonialism has kind of taken this thing and spun it in a different way. Like the white people are like, oh, the Michele and Bembe, let's go on expeditions to find it. Mm-hmm. Also in the, I think particularly for the Bunyip, which is right, started out in um, indigenous Australian culture. Yeah. Uh, like the, I, I feel like researching this, you can really see the effect of colonialism in that it's really difficult to basically impossible to find out anything about what the indigenous population's concept of the Bunyip actually was because there have been like a couple centuries of that basically being kind of overwritten by the colonial white people kind of came in and took this and ran with it to the extent that all you can find anymore is like there there is no record I could find of this that actually described what the the original mythology behind it even like was or even if there was one it's not even yeah. clear to me to well, what extent there was a cohesive idea i think one of the just... things that happened was that like pe- like the sort of like white people came in and encountered one group of aboriginal people who had a story of the bunyip that was like a big mm-hmm. scary monster and then right. encountered like another group who had a story of a big scary monster and they're like oh that's like a bunyip sort of like chupacabra style where we right, essentially right, right. have like one word being applied to loads and then what gets me right if so if you read this they talk uh like loads and loads of sources talk about how the bunyip the word comes from the wemba wemba language and then mm-hmm. loads of them say like oh yeah it's the wemba wemba word that means like devil or it means this or whatever but the wemba wemba language is actually extinct so does it mean right. that first of all yeah it, it, yeah <laughs> this is this is exactly what i mean right it's like who actually knows yeah anything about um, this. And also, the other thing is that uh, I was looking up the Wemba Wemba people because we do good research here. Um, mm-hmm. And so they were in Northwest Victoria and Southwest New South Wales, which is uh, which is where you get like most of the Bunyip stories. But there's right. this one account of the uh, the group, which is that there was a group of missionaries that came in and started to learn 
the language mm-hmm. of the Wemba Wemba territory. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but then the natives started noticing that these people were learning the language, and so they started speaking a different language. Yeah, um, just to screw with them. Yeah, and I was like, like, no. Good for them. Um, yeah. But yeah, but we're also talking about like a tribe that we have on record as like actively changing their language to like obfuscate meaning for the colonizers. So right, right, right. who are we to say what any of their words meant? Yeah, it just seems like no one involved in and this has any like regard for that at all right. yeah also there was one uh oh yeah on the wikipedia page for bunyip it says europeans recorded various written accounts of bunyips in the early and mid 19th century as they began to settle across the country and it's like we're gonna use the word settle are mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah but should we do um Things colonial people said about the bunyip first, or should we do? Uh, I spent a bunch of time researching indigenous things instead of re- reading about the bunyip. Um, hmm, good question. Why don't we do the um, the first one first, because then we can okay. end on probably what is a higher note. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Dope. Great. So, the bunyip. I think the first. What, the first record that I found was 1818. I don't know what mm-hmm. you found. There were some bones found by ha- Hamilton Hume and James Meehan mm-hmm. and like Bathurst. And they were like, hey, we found these crazy bones. And then this organization was like, hey, will you go back and get them and bring them here? And they were like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yep. Then in 1830, we have some unidentified fossils in Wellington Caves. Just like big old fossils. Mm-hmm. Weird how they found mysterious big fossils. Wouldn't it be strange if there was other records of fossils belonging to extinct animals being found in the world? Uh, that doesn't sound plausible to me. <laughs> yeah, and then July 1845, we have fossils near Geelong that were found. And then one of the most famous ones is that January 1946, there was a skull found... And then it was taken to the Australia Museum and displayed as a bunyip, but was later determined to be a disfigured calf skull. Great. I want to know, um, like, how disfigured was it for it to be determined to be a bunyip? Well, I read some something that a lot of accounts of the bunyip that I've read describe it as like a really big, hairy creature with like a horse's head. Mm. So I guess cows have horse adjacent head shapes yeah so yeah yeah the descriptions i was reading one website that was going through different kinds of descriptions and all of the okay so this is the list of descriptions that i uh i found okay enormous starfish Mm -hmm. okay snake with a beard yep dog-like face okay crocodile-like head cool dark fur Mm-hmm. Horse-like tail. Okay. Flippers. Ha! Huh. Walrus-like tusks. Mm-hmm. Duck-like bill. Mm. Sharp claws. Mm. Fast speed. Communicates using a hollow boom. Uh, one large eye on its head and a mouth on its stomach. And my hmm. personal favorite, countless eyes. Ah, that's very useful for seeing. (laughs) I was like, is this an Old Testament angel? I mean, it sounds pretty cool. Yeah. I think my favorite is Snake with a Beard. Yeah. Snake with a Beard is interesting. (laughs) The only consistent thing of all these descriptions is that it's always like near water. Our friend's always in water. Yeah. It's an aquatic little little pal or large pal. Also, I I felt a bit stupid because it was like... I don't know, reading about all the listings of different kinds of waters. And, uh, and it was like, oh, yes, like a billabong. And it hadn't occurred to me that like a billabong was a, th- was a thing. What, outside of a brand? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And on the one hand, I felt a bit stupid because I was like, oh, this makes sense. It's like a cool surfer guy brand. They would name it after an Australia thing. But also, uh, like, is an Aeropostale a thing? You know? Maybe. What if it is? May I mean maybe it is. And now I look Who knows? double like a fool. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a real thing that exists. Yeah. So I learned something. That's why that, we're here. Isn't, yeah. Isn't that, at the end of the day, why we all come together to do this <laughs> in the pursuit things. of knowledge? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Likes the water. Mm-hmm. A lot of things I, I read seem to suggest that the reason why the head is what gets so many people's attention is because it's usually underwater so the head is all you see it's kind of like nessie right like the mm. head popping up over the top and who knows what it's got going on underneath not me no that could be anything yeah what if there is no body what if it is just a head <gasps> galaxy brain take uh-huh <laughs> i've been saying what if the water is the body <gasps> yeah it's a manifestation you- of water that is alive universe brain it's the shape of water sequel that we've all been waiting for i still haven't seen that film um it's a good time there's a sexy fish man yeah it's got really human lips because apparently they workshop what facial features the monster would need to have for people to like believe the love story and the answer was was human lips Hmm. so Hmm. it's got a bubble booty and man lips (laughs) (laughs) that doesn't seem right I mean, they it won an Oscar, so <laughs> <laughs> the Academy can't be wrong. Um, it's never been wrong before. Also, it's Doug Jones underneath all that. Mm-hmm. A hero to the people. Doug Jones. And that's our review of Shape of Water. <laughs> <laughs> that's my review, having never seen it. The I mean, the main takeaway here is bubble booty man lips. So. <sighs> uh huh. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, right. So, I one of the theories that I saw that kept popping up was that there was some relation to Diprodoton, mm-hmm. which is a big extinct marsupial. Hell yeah. And some people were trying to pull the whole, there's still one around, you know, the way that people have with like dinosaurs and like Macaul and Bembe. And some mm-hmm. people are like, oh, this is a cultural memory, which I like a lot more. Yeah, this this kind of ties into the way cryptids are often treated, mm. right? It's like, oh, you have some story of a, of a big creature or a small creature, any kind of creature. You have some kind of story that is passed down that you understand is part of your folklore. But we're like, let's go find it. Where is yeah. it? There's one yeah. over there. Let's go on an expedition. <laughs> We didn't find it. Let's go on another expedition. Ooh. People need uh, different hobbies, maybe. Yeah. Actually, this is one thing I wrote <laughs> in, in my notes. Is that <laughs> white colonizers just have no chill. <laughs> Can't you uh, just chill? Um, no, they <sighs> cannot. Sadly. Yes. Um, there's also a theory that I saw a couple places, including the Encyclopedia Britannica, where they thought that maybe it was like seals that had gotten too far upstream, hmm. which is like, what's like the opposite of like a galaxy brain take? A, a, a like, like a suburban white mom who's like, I don't know, thinks that Jamba Juice is the cool thing to do. You know, like what? What is that? Get that out of here. Jamba where did your Jumba Juice metaphor come from? I don't understand um, this I was metaphor. trying to think of, like, I feel like the most basic version of, like, health foods. Okay. And I was like, oh, obviously that would be, like, mass-produced juice bar at the mall. Okay. And that's how we got to Jumba Juice. <laughs> <laughs> I okay. didn't mean to slander Jumba Juice. I'm so sorry to... I, I, I don't really... I'm not... <laughs> dragging you i don't i'm not employed by the jamba corporation yeah well i mean they uh, do make good juices but also i've you, you you see with the metaphor i'm trying to pull out bad thing. i I'm don't doing it that's the point i don't <laughs> get it well um i was trying to think about like you know galaxy brain people and they're and then you mentioned juice no, so like you know how there's tying into the health food craze and the like we eat good things to fill our bodies so that we can uh-huh. open our third eyes. Oh, okay. And then I was I trying see. like what's the basic white mom version of that? I see. Okay. I get it now. Thank you. 
the best metaphors are the ones that you have to explain at length. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. metaphors are about a sparking conversation more than anything else. Yeah. At least that's no, how totally. I live my life. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yep. So let's see. Other Bunyip fun stuff. The Bunyip aristocracy. Did you come across this? I did not. What is this? Okay. So this is... So this this comes back, it goes back to 1853, and mm. from a satirical speech uh, against William Wentworth by Daniel Dennehy, which the whole thing is such a sick burn that if I was like William Wentworth, I would have just like walked into the sea afterwards. Uh, <laughs> but essentially, a bunch of people in Australia were like, ah, oh, we're making a colony. This is great. We're just making things exactly like England. You know what England has? An aristocracy. You know what we should also have? An aristocracy. Yeah. So essentially, the like rich people who were moving in and colonizing Australia wanted to like enshrine their wealth into law. Mm-hmm. So anyway, then this guy, Daniel Dennehy, was very against it. And he called it a bunyip aristocracy as to be like, like it's an, you're all imposters. Like you're just putting on airs, whatever. Right. So I think it's interesting... First of all, that like this word that comes from Aboriginal uh, like folklore is being used to mean like imposter, right? And like against the colonizer. I don't know. There's something like I can't quite unpick where I don't love that it's being used as like a slanderous thing, but also um, I do like that it is being used to like stick it to the people trying to colonize the nation. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, but anyway, it's still used as an insult sometimes. Yeah, I saw that. It, it is kind of in the modern day lexicon, I guess. As seems to be the case more generally in Australia too. Like, there's a paper, there's a, a weekly newspaper called the Bunyip. Oh, cool. And I did look up because it's still going. It started in 1863, and they got sued for libel on their first issue. <laughs> Starting as they mean to continue. Right. Honestly, respect. <laughs> And I tried to look up the case because I was like, oh, this is a fun story. And literally none of it made any sense to me. So, okay. like, if anyone out there is interested in this, you can do your own homework. Uh, it's it's on the Bunyip Wikipedia page for the, yeah, for the newspaper. Yeah, to learn? Yeah, jeez, get out of here. You ingrate. <laughs> uh, what other fun... Yeah, and then the Bunyip now seems to hold, like, a... I don't know, like, a fun cultural place. I found an old website for a... I think it was one of the museums in australia that like use the bunyip for all of their like kids pages about australian folklore yeah it seems to have kind of propagated you know its position in culture these days is a lot closer to like other cryptids right like it's in like tv shows and video games and that kind of thing um did you watch the video from kangaroo and dot no it looked scary so i didn't okay yeah it's soup it is ridiculous it's like up there with like you know like the heffalumps and woozles like winnie the pooh where you're like why is this in children's programming should i watch it live on mic right now is that good podcasting okay Uh, let's actually do this for the folks at home as well if you have a laptop up i'm gonna get this thing up so it is uh bunyip yeah it's from dot and kangaroo it's from like 1973 i think bunyip dot and the kangaroo Looking it up on YouTube. Let's do this. Yeah. Here we go. All right. The the video I'm going to click on is called the Bunyip video. Yeah. By Mister uh, Boombastic X. Yeah, it's uh three minutes and nine seconds long. Uh, and I'm gonna press go on this in three, two, one. Oh, this is no good. <laughs> It starts with this, like, ominous piano. Yeah. Oh. It's not particularly spooky so far. Oh. Wow. Yeah. The animation is particularly terrifying. Yeah, this is really haunting. Jesus. (laughs) This is such a... It's just like a, it's like photographs and like live action video with stuff drawn on top of it. Yeah. And, 
but it's like this very stilted like animation style. It's a bad yeah. time. This is like a fever dream nightmare. <laughs> oh, I like the horns though. Yeah, and it's it's just like and then it's just running at the camera while this man sings about how it's gonna get you. Like Yeah. All of the comments underneath are people being like, This traumatized me as a child, and I understand why. Yeah. I don't know. Whoa, it's turned into a bird. What the fuck? Ah! Oh, this is... <sighs> to be honest, though, there is a small part of me that really values and treasures children's media that just, like, really fucks you up. <laughs> you know, I think there's a place for that stuff. Just, like, really nightmarish, haunting stuff. That probably says something about me as a person. And I'm like, what, yeah, just fuck me up. What do you think traumatized you both as a child in like this genre of video? Uh, good question. You know, there definitely have been some things, but I'm having trouble thinking of any specific examples. Probably because, because I've like, repressed distinct them. memories of it as a child of the um the bit from Dumbo, the pink elephants. Hmm, interesting. That didn't really screw me up. I feel like there are parts of Fantasia that always kind of fucked me mm. up. I couldn't point to any specific point. I, I think it's the same kind of thing where Fantasia often just kind of feels like this weird, uncomfortable dream. You're like, am I having a nightmare right now? Like, am I hallucinating? Yeah. That's how this whole anyway. video has felt. Yeah, right, right, right. This is the same kind of vibe. I just also love the 1970s where whoever was, like, making children's media had obviously, like, never met a child before. Yeah. They were like, oh, the creature's animated, it's fine. Again, I don't know. I feel like there's definitely space for creators of children's media who know, you're, who are like, this is going to fuck up some kids, and I'm cool with that. Maybe? <laughs> well, or, or at least, like, you know, thinks there or is... Or maybe, like, um, I don't know, maybe we should just make space for children to maybe not be scared of things, you know? Yeah. Well, because I was reading a thing about, uh, like, Neil Gaiman talking about Coraline. Um, yeah. And, like, the film and how he's really surprised that, like, children are like, oh, like, this is just, like, a fun story. And adults are like, I would never let a child in Kate, which is this, this story. Right. Um, that's, a, that's a really good example, though, because right, that's a book that I read when I was a kid that fucked me up because it's scary as hell. But also I really liked it and still do. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I feel like sometimes it's all right to be freaked out by something, even when you're a kid. Okay, yeah. That's just um. me, though. <laughs> I mean, I don't go around, to be clear, I don't go around scaring children. <laughs> Not on purpose, anyway. <laughs> oh, wow. Dragged. <laughs> there had to be, like, one in here today. <sighs> there always does. God. <laughs> right, I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm speaking from my own experiences as a kid, where I'm like, yeah, you know what? Sometimes I enjoy being spooked. Yeah, maybe uh, I, like, as a kid, I did not like getting spooked. I'm trying to learn this, so... Right, this is this is a good this is a good point, though, right? Is like, I really like horror films, and you really don't, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, that is true. I'm trying to get better. I did Blitz, like, all of the Alien films, so... Ooh, but, like, Alien, Alien is very good, and particularly the first one is pretty scary, but, like... Yeah. I don't know if Alien is, like, really full, pure horror. I mean, uh, I had one kind of is. very vivid dreams for, like, days about yeah. the aliens. You should watch Hereditary. No. I, mm. <laughs> the second time I saw Hereditary, and in, in the I went to see it at the music box, um, which is a really cool movie theater here in Chicago and uh I went with a couple friends me and Kit and our friend Kate and there's a it's it's a stressful film generally but there's a point where something very scary happens at the very end and someone in the movie theater screamed at the top of her lungs Uh, and it was so good because because at the end like when it happens it's like silent like there's no sound and so the fact that when this happened, someone was just like, ah! 
oops i woke up my cat screaming sorry robin but uh but yeah <laughs> that just like set people off it's a good film you should watch it um maybe maybe one day uh, we should watch it together okay we'll do one it one day okay now we'll now live stream I, it yes that's that's <laughs> that would be such good content <laughs> Just you freaking out over hereditary. One day we'll put it together. If you want us to do this, people listening, let us know. <laughs> yeah, if you could mail us a check for five hundred dollars, <laughs> we will do it like immediately. Yes. Also, I now have uh, recorded evidence of you agreeing to this, so I can use oh, that in future. Dang. However, I mean, we did also put a price check on it, so. I mean, no, we didn't. Oh, that's true. I just said we'll do it now if you pay us. Okay, but we will do it at some point. I can I can just edit out the part where I put the price tag on it, and then it's like it never happened. Ah, <laughs> uh, fine. Okay, yes, we will do this at some point. It'll be great. Great, good. Thank you. All inspired by this terrifying bunyip video. Yeah, I see. I stand the bunyip video now. I'm I'm in it. In it. <laughs> I want to watch this whole film. I think the f- whole film is kind of weird. Yeah. Right. I want to like get really hopped up on cold medicine and then mainline this shit. <laughs> I think that's definitely why they uh, made it. Yep. I'm trying to see if I can find a description of the film. Dot and Kangaroo. It's apparently based on a children's book. Ah, so it says, When five-year-old Dot finds herself lost in the Australian bush, a red kangaroo who has lost her joey promises to help Dot find her way home. In the process, the kangaroo introduces Dot to a number of animals, teaching her a greater appreciation for nature. Oh, nice. Yeah. That seems wholesome. Let's see, what other Bunyip fun facts do I have? Do you have anything else on the white people side, or do you want to jump into indigenous facts? Well, oh, there is a town I found called Murray Bridge that has a statue of the Bunyip. Mm. Um, and they just, like, re... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? They made it more beautiful. But it, it like, moves and it screams. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, that's no good. Oh, it's great. It's great. We we will have to put a uh, a sound clip in because it's oh, great. Oh, I can I can edit one in. I want to know the. I'm, I've I'm just uh, what... I've just sent it to you. So it's <sighs> this thing is horrifying, right? And so apparently you press a button. It's like in a tunnel, right? And the tunnel has been like like it looks like um like an old bunker sort of thing where it's like big and metal and curved and then it's been painted on the inside so it looks like you know like trees so it's like a river scene Mm -hmm. Um, and then you can go and press this button and then this giant thing rises from the water and it's like green it's got these massive yellow eyes big clawed hands and like like a pig nose and then it opens its mouth and screams Okay, do we want to do this again? I I know we're jumping into the YouTube hole now, but this is called The Bunyip at Murray Bridge, South Australia by AM22. Yeah, AM22. I actually might just edit in the audio from this video here so we can see what it looks like. Here we go. Okay. Oh, it's coming up out of the water. Wow, those are some piercing eyes. The nose really freaks me out. Yeah, the nose is bad. Ah, uh, ah, uh. ah! Uh, that's a that's an unhinged jaw right there. Where's the scream? I want the scream. Oh, that's it. That's what you get. Oh, I imagine something more piercing. I'm kind of disappointed. Well, apparently, the first version of that um, statue could be heard for like miles around see that's what i want <laughs> um and then it broke and then when they fixed it uh they made it not be able to be heard for miles around uh, <laughs> see that's i want a piercing scream i can hear from five miles away do that's you, what i'm here for you? yes <laughs> like go big or go home <laughs> all right i respect that yeah Ugh, wow, that's terrifying. <laughs> I want to go visit this place to see this specific thing. See, I would if it still had the five-mile scream, but without <laughs> it, it's just well, not worth I'll, it for me. We'll leave a Yelp review and be like, would have been better. 
Not loud enough. Yeah. Seven out of ten. Yep. <laughs> I need some more volume. I need to feel it in my bones. Just no true fear so that you know not to stay near the water. Honestly, that's all I want. <laughs> all right. Do you want to hear about some Aboriginal stuff that I was reading? Yes. Tell me. Okay. So one of the things that came up a whole bunch is that the bunyip is a creature of the dreaming or dream time. I'm making mm-hmm. air quotes along both because, you know, quotes yeah. around things are good for destabilizing our ideas of them. Anyway, uh-huh. this is a term from English-speaking anthropologists to describe some Aboriginal beliefs. Mm-hmm. So it, the original description of it says that it's used to represent like a, a time out of time or an every when, when the land was inhabited by ancestral figures, often of heroic proportions or supernatural abilities. And some say that dream time is a mistranslation of it, because I think the original, actually the very first anthropologist, it might have been Dutch, actually. But anyway, they were not Aboriginal people. Right. But now has sort of like propagated and has been used in like New Age, Prague, like spiritual white people faith, but also uh-huh. like novels will use this and um it, yeah it's sort of just taken this idea which is interesting like in its own way that this idea sort of like created itself because right yeah uh but anyway from reading about that which is like kind of whatever um i was reading about song lines uh which is the coolest thing I think I've ever heard about. Have you heard about songlines? No, I haven't. Tell me about songlines. Oh my gosh. Okay, so this is from Wikipedia for Songline. Um, so they are paths across the land or sometimes sky of Australia, uh, followed by localized creator beings during like the dreaming. The paths uh, of the songlines are recorded in traditional songs, stones, dance, and painting. So I'm just going to read a chunk of the description from online because I, I feel like it really um, like captures the whole thing, right? So, yeah, go for it. Okay, so it says, A knowledgeable person is able to navigate across the land by repeating the words of the song, which describe the location of landmarks, waterholes, and other natural phenomena. In some cases, the paths of the creator beings are said to be evident from their marks, uh, or like topoglyphs on the land, such as large depressions in the land where they're said to be their footprints. By singing the songs in the appropriate sequence, indigenous people could navigate vast distances of uh, often traveling through the deserts of Australia's interior. The continent of Australia uh, contains a massive uh, system of song lines, some of which are a few kilometers, while others traverse hundreds of kilometers through lands of many different indigenous peoples. People who speak markedly different languages and have different cultural traditions. Since a songline can span the lands of different groups, different parts of the song are said to be in those different languages. Uh, and Whoa. then the languages are not a barrier because the melodic contour of the song describes the nature of the land over which the song passes. That's so uh, and cool. then the rhythm is like part of this. Yeah. So essentially, they just have these songs that you can like travel all the way across Australia by singing them the right way. That's very, very cool. Yeah, and like the fact that they go through languages mm-hmm. is insane. It's so cool. That's really awesome. I didn't know about that at all. Yeah, and so there's... Uh, I mean, I've done little bits of reading just in the past about oral history traditions of Aboriginal peoples because they're, like uh, many oral history traditions, sort of very exacting in things being passed down. Um mm. Yeah, uh, which, you know, sort of ties ties back to our friend the Bunyip, um, because this, the idea that it's a cultural memory of a long-deceased animal would mm. then make sense, because uh, there's a, a paper I found, where was it, um, from, what, what year is this from? Uh, oh, 2015, called Ancient Aboriginal Stories Preserve History of a Rise in Sea Level um, by Nick Reed and Patrick D. Nunn, where they've looked at, like, I don't know, essentially th- th- there are all these Aboriginal stories about when um, 
bits of land turned into islands because of changing sea level and then mm. sort of compared it to the geographic ge- or geological evidence and like yes this is what happened essentially um mm. but the history of it's been preserved in the oral tradition because everything's been passed down so exactly right. that's um, really cool yeah uh, wouldn't it be cool if early anthropologists just like talk to aboriginal people yeah that's not the world we live in <laughs> yeah but we can dream we can i like to fantasize about it sometimes yeah yeah anyway that that's like a song line which i think is the dopest thing that is very cool yeah it's so good it's very good this thing just developed what what how do we live in a world where this exists it's, it's... there's just yeah so many great cultural traditions and what do we have now like arby's yeah dairy queen those can't help us traverse deserts yeah Ugh. what if we snuck song lines into talking barbies who who is that for though um <laughs> i don't know this is a plan i'm coming up with right now okay well then the barbies can help you traverse deserts Right, but but isn't that against the spirit of like the living oral tradition? Like, if you put it in a Barbie, then it's that's true. That's true. Static. Mm, it wasn't a very good plan. How can we radicalize Barbie? Is the real question. I don't know. Can we radicalize Barbies? So there was a thing that was done. I want to say it was the seventies, where a group of people went in and um, bought a bunch of talking Barbies and talking GI Joes. And then replace their voice boxes so that they made statements about gender stereotyping and feminism and then snuck them back into stores. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, But then sent like little recorded messages from the new Talking Barbies to news outlets across the country. So that it was like on the news that Barbie's a feminist. Great. Good work, Barbie. So I feel like we could take up that spirit somehow. What does that look like? So we, mm, I don't know. Are talking Barbies like a thing anymore? I don't think so. I don't know. Are children no longer fascinated by toys that can talk? I mean, doubtful. We, yeah. We have a lot of technology these days. That's true. You know, they if they have cell phones, you know. Mm. If you have a three-year-old with an iPhone, they're like, it's Barbie talks. This sucks. I can't Google things on a Barbie. Yeah. I can't wa- go through a nightmarish rabbit hole of YouTube recommended videos of auto-generated <laughs> singing monstrosities. <laughs> what would a three-year-old Google? I don't know. If you know what a three-year-old would Google, please reach out to us. Please tell us. I want to know. Do you yeah. have a three-year-old? Ask them the- what they want to Google. Are you a three-year-old? <laughs> Why are you listening to this? <laughs> Did you Google it? <laughs> Uh, Use your Barbies for revolution if you are a three-year-old. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We've got off the rails. I know! Why does this always happen? (laughs) I don't know. (sighs) How much more do we want to... Do we have to talk about... Do we want to take a break or do we want to... Well, we've got some messages. We do have some messages. Yeah. From people... What we, people have done and sent us. Have we got to the point in the podcast where we do the messages, in which case maybe we just power on through? I think we just power on through. I mean, we're, we're hitting an hour already. Jesus Christ, we are hitting an hour. How did that happen? <laughs> what have we talked about? <laughs> Revolution, obviously. <laughs> I just don't... I, I, uh, I don't think we should rely on Barbie to help us stage a revolution. That's just my two cents. No, I don't think it's necessary, but I think that we also need to take a look at the tools around us and consider how we can reappropriate them for the purposes of revolution. We can, but then we're still, you know, this this gets back into defining our movement in opposition to something mm. is, is a fool's game, right? Because then yeah. if we want to build a world where... If we want to destroy capitalism, we can't create a movement that is defined by its op- opposition to capitalism. We need to we need to move yeah. beyond that, right? Yeah. I think the best the best methods are is a mixed methods approach. That's true. Yeah. 
feel like we've learned something today about how we to have. overthrow the government. <laughs> uh, we're working on things here. Yeah. Okay, so, questions. So, first of all, somebody messaged me about Vampire Hospital. Oh. Which was... Uh, from from Jay, who's written in before, says your vampire hospital multiple personality movie should be called Bite Club. That is all. Yep, that checks out. Yep. Mm-hmm. Other vampire hospital TV shows could be. Um, I've got nothing. I've got nothing. I was trying to come up with a Grey's Anatomy pun. Nothing came. Um, we can definitely come up with some. I feel like there's like a, just something really snappy, like, um, you know, like O negative or something. Just name it after like a blood type. Oh, I'm thinking of puns on existing hospital dramas. Well, I, I tried to do that and then nothing came. So then I was just thinking of snappy, like. Let's, I, I feel like we need to sit with this for a little bit. Let's workshop it. Okay. So okay. Let's send start. yours. Also, anyone out there with good puns, send them to us. Oh yeah, of course. Naturally. Um, <sighs> So, names of hospital dramas. So, you got like House. ER. There's not House. much there. St. Elsewhere. Yeah. Um, um, it's like, yeah. yeah. You got Grey's Anatomy. You've got. Um, uh, Scrubs. Scrubs. Uh, uh, how are we drawing a blank on hospital dramas after? I feel like that's like every other TV show. No, there's, there's so many. A diagnosis murder. <laughs> Diagnosis dead. Casualty. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. General Hospital. They're all they're all badly uh, named. General Hospital would be good for an army themed one, but not a vampire themed one. That's true. I just uh, want to see a show called General Hospital where the main character is a soldier called General Hospital. <laughs> I love it. Doogie Hauser, MD. <laughs> uh, no, you're right. There's nothing. There's no there, good there, puns. No. And also, upon reflection, every hospital drama is stupidly named. Yeah, there are no good ones. Uh, all right. Okay. Never mind. We tried. Yeah. Well, if anyone else has any better ones, let us know. Yeah. Just draw attention to the fact we're bad at this by coming up with good ones. Yeah. More questions. Okay. So relating to our last episode on the Dover Demon, mm-hmm. uh, Salsaverse on Twitter has said that, because we, we said maybe he was a, the Dover Demon's an intergalactic geocacher. Mm-hmm. I still stand by it. However, Salsaverse has pointed out that the Dover Demon didn't leave anything at the geocache, which means either they're not a geocacher or they took the geocache and didn't replace it, ruining intergalactic geocaching for everybody. Okay, no, I have a counterpoint here, which is you're making a really big assumption here, Mm -hmm. which is that, I mean, this is an intergalactic geocache. We don't even know it's visible to our lowly plane of existence. Solid point. Solid point. It could exist in the seventeenth dimension, and we don't mm-hmm. we don't see that. Yeah, maybe, and you need a special uncloaking technology. Yeah, to see it. It's it's in a pocket universe. Yeah, didn't think of that, did you? Yeah, this is why we're the professional podcasters. Right. This is yeah. This is why we <laughs> make the big bucks. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So other questions, also from Salsaverse. Yeah, another question. Yeah, from Yeah, we've got a whole bunch. So, which spooks you more? Aliens abducting you from your bedroom, or the Jersey Devil abducting you in the woods? I can only speculate on this one, because neither of these things has happened to me yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still time. Um, there is still time. I feel like I would rather get abducted by the Jersey Devil in the woods, because I feel like if I've gone into the woods and it's night, I've already kind of put myself mm-hmm. in this situation, right? Whereas if I'm in my, if I'm in my bedroom, I'm not suspecting anyone's going to abduct me. I'm just kind of doing my thing. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm just like hanging out, like watching Netflix in bed, and then suddenly aliens. <gasps> Solid point. If I go into the forest, I'm I don't enter the forest without already accepting that there is a chance I'm gonna get whisked away by something spooky. That is why you go into the forest at all. It is. Okay, I would say 
maybe Jersey Devil, because if you get abducted by aliens unexpectedly, well, now you're living in space. That's cool. You're abducted by the Jersey Devil. You're first to live in New Jersey. Shit, that's a... That's a sh- God damn it, that's a good point. Which is the more terrifying prospect? I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> so I think I'd rather have the living in space ending. Yeah. Dang, you make a convincing argument. Mm-hmm. Mm, there we go. Okay. That's our answer. Next question. Yes. Well, so last Salsaverse also sent us a compliment uh, saying that we're very attractive podcasters who deserve our own cable TV show, which all of that's very true. Yep, that's true. Uh, we are very attractive. I know maybe maybe you haven't all seen us, but I just want you to know. Just mm-hmm. smoking hot. Babes. Yeah. Aleza? How do you spell this? It's I, How do you it's spell O-L-E-Z-H-A? Yeah. Aleza? I think, you, I think you, you got it. Yeah, that sounds right. So they say, much love to the cutest podcasters ever. Thank you. How are you doing? And do you like spinach puffs slash or have any fave food? How are you doing, Lois? I'm doing very well. Uh, I'm a little thirsty, but that's fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm actually not thirsty. I've drunk way too much coffee this morning. Uh, So I'm a little twitchy. But apart from that, I'm great. (laughs) Do you like spinach puffs? I don't think I've ever had spinach puffs. I was just thinking this. I don't know if I have either. Uh, are we just like missing a basic life experience here? I'm Googling spinach puffs. They sound like a thing oh, that damn. I would like. Damn, I would have one of these. I just Googled spinach puffs. These look good really good. Yeah, I'm going to make some of these. These look incredible. Oh, and it has feta in. Ah, oh, fuck me up. Yeah, these are great. Um... I've been also on like a real spinach kick lately, so mm-hmm. spinach is good. Yeah. Okay. So maybe let's both make our own spinach puffs. We'll reconvene. Mm-hmm. We'll report yep. back next time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have any favorite foods? Too many. You posted a really good soup recipe on Twitter the other day. Oh, that soup was good as hell. Yeah. It, that did there's go like for an avocado long. situation involved. Yeah, it's, it's like, like a, a spicy, spicy. Yeah, like jalapenos, all that jazz. It was good. Yeah, I was very impressed. I was like, this looks dope as hell. It was dope as hell. Highly recommended. It's on my Twitter somewhere. Go find it if you yeah. wanna. What was my favorite food? I don't know. I'm gonna say like mashed potatoes. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. Carbs. <laughs> Can't beat carbs. Yep. Love carbs. Me too. Another question. Okay. Shall we? We got two more. Yeah, one from Ben. Shall I do this one from Ben? Yeah. Ben wants to know, and can I just say for this question? Big middle finger to Ben. Ben wants to know, what sound does a bunyip make? And can you recreate it? Uh, I think we already established what sound the bunyip makes. I think, you know what? You're so right. (laughs) Uh, And I have no intention to recreate it. Ben wishes to make fools of us on mic. They did say, can you recreate it? No. Nope. (laughs) Can't do it. Yep. You will not make fools of us. (sighs) You tried, pal. But we're too smart for you. We are too smart collectively <laughs> mostly lois um <laughs> and then also they say that we're delightful which is true mm-hmm. um and then our last question is from the lovely jake roper which is who'd win in a fight the bunyip or 10 drop bears i think the answer here is the bunyip yeah the reason being that the bunyip wins by sheer mysteriousness like mm. It, it the parameters of its form are so ill-defined it is so mysterious mm. that like we can't even say what it is like drop bears are just bears that drop on stuff but like the bunyip is like completely unknown maybe changing and sh- constantly shifting in its form and uh and i just don't think there's any way a, a bunch of falling bears can compete with that also if they drop into water from above then yeah. they're going to be in a you know in the water yes this this is what i was going to say is that i think that the bunyip is also at an advantage just like you know environment wise because mm-hmm. even if the drop bears were to drop like on the banks of things they're probably not used to dropping on like marshy muddy water mm-hmm. they don't know how to fight on that land scape, mm-hmm. you know, they, it, it, I think that the bunyip, no matter its shape or 
you know, what limbs it may or may not have. Mm-hmm. Is that an advantage just like environment wise? Uh, and so would win in a fight. Yep, I'm with you. Also, do drop bears, do, they seem like solitary creatures. I feel like they actually wouldn't be able to like fight as a pack. Uh, I, I don't know. I couldn't, I have couldn't we, say. We haven't done a drop bears episode. We have episode. not done a drop bears episode. They're just bears that okay. drop. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe one day. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I believe that those are all of our questions. Yep. Those are all the ones I had. Yep. Job done. Hooray. Uh, if any of you out there want to send us questions or comments or compliments or recipes for food mm-hmm. that you recipes think we'd like. Recipes for food is good. Headcanons, AU fix. Yep. Uh, you can do that. Twitter, Facebook, email. All those. We check all those things. Yep. yep. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cryptidzone, I think. Probably. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, Twitter at cryptidzone. Uh, email is and- enter.the at cryptid.zone. Correct. And yeah. Where can people find you, yeah. Lois? They can find me on Twitter uh, at Suppets Lois, which is S U P I T S L O I S. I'm very popular there right yeah, now. Yeah, you, we are viral. You are a lot yes. more viral. <laughs> I was a little bit viral. <laughs> um, I was really pleased that the that tweet of yours um, picked up loads of more likes because it's one of my favorite tweets you've ever made. <laughs> Yeah, it it is a tweet I did like a year ago, and it went from eight faves to a thousand faves, <laughs> like overnight. Oh, good lord! It's the recognition you deserve for quality content creation. Thank you. It just goes to show that the uh, fact that no one is saving my good tweets has nothing to do with that quality. Is all. It's all oh chance. no! Absolutely not. I want you to know that that tweet as well. I tell people about regularly because I think it's a very good joke. Oh really? Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I would. I hadn't thought about that in like a year, and so when you <laughs> tweeted it out, I was like, "Oh, I forgot I even did this." Yeah, it's very good. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at knifewitch, uh, and go check out my viral tweet. <laughs> it's good. Mm-hmm. Um. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, next week is a classic cryptid. You ready? Uh, yes. We're doing the Flatwoods Monster. Yay! Whoa! Did you? Yeah! Yeah! Woo. The crowd goes wild. Um, to, yeah, so come back next episode for that uh-huh. stuff. Uh-huh. But now the most important question yeah. of all. Uh-huh. Would you date the bunyip? I wouldn't because I feel like it is culturally insensitive. I was going to say I wouldn't because I feel like I don't know enough about the bunyip. Yeah. You know? Bunyip is mysterious. Because there's no, like, there's not even one description about what it looks like. Yeah. Or even where it's from. Uh It's very vague. Yeah. And being asked whether or not to date the bunyip, it feels a bit like, um... Okay, here's the situation. You go to a house party, Uh right? Yeah. You, like, go over, mm-hmm. and there's, like, somebody who's just, like, standing near, like, the the drinks and the snacks or whatever, mm-hmm. and you're just like, oh, hey, uh, is this glass clean? And they're like, yeah, I think it is. And you're like, okay, cool, thanks. And then you leave. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, your friend is like, oh, I saw you talking to, like, that person. They're really cute. Do you think you have, like, a thing together? And you're like, I literally have no idea who that person mm-hmm. is. Like, I just asked them for a glass. And, th- and then your friend's like, no, but... You'd be really cute together. And you're like, I don't even know their name. Yeah. And also they were standing in an eight foot deep pool of water. So you can only see their head and have no idea what their body is shaped like or even whether they have one. Exactly. And it could, their head, the lighting was weird. So their head might have been shaped like a cow or maybe a dog or maybe a starfish. Uh So Yeah, that's just not enough to go on. Yeah. So I feel like it's a bit like a, a Tinder profile, but like the only picture is their dog. Right. Yeah. Like, what do you, you can't work from that. I'm with you. Just too mysterious. Yeah, too mysterious. Yeah. That's a red stamp. No. <laughs> so that's a no from us. Good chunk. Um, would you, I would, I would ask the, uh, everyone in this club mm-hmm. if they would date the bunny up. I feel like we haven't ans- opened this question up. Yeah, we never have. We're opening a can of worms here. Yeah. Okay. Please don't get too horny in our mentions. <laughs> oh no, I hadn't considered this. Well, it's too late now. <laughs> oh no. Um... Okay, don't get too horny, but I do want a good explanation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only if you disagree with us. Uh If you agree with us, obviously, we're right, you know? 
But like, yeah. If you disagree with us, you better have a good reason. Mm-hmm. Back it up. Yeah. I want. I want every reply MLA to formatting. be a, a, at least a thread of fifteen tweets. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. Again, Please do not do that. Not too horny. Yeah. <laughs> Save it for Ao3. Yep. You monsters. <laughs> All right, that's it. That's it. Thank you for listening to us. We love you. Yeah, love you lots. Have a great day. Bye. Goodbye.